I think for me growing up, it was always this mythical place in storybooks, in TV shows. And I have so many storybooks at home that talk about New York. I think I was just always in awe at how big it is, at how much there is. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, we're talking with Isabella, who's the partner of my friend from high school who I had not talked to in like 10 years or something. Like, and I just randomly ran into both of them when I was at South by Southwest. And uh, it, so we're, today we decided we're going to talk about, they just moved to New York City. So we're going to talk about that and like how we decide where we want to live and like that kind of thing. Um, so Isabella, why don't you just give a quick intro um, to yourself, uh, whatever you think the audience should know about you. That'd be great. Yeah, of course. Thank you both for having me. Um, I'm Isabella. I am originally from Toronto. As Isabella just mentioned, we just moved to New York a couple of weeks ago. Prior to that, um, Eric and I had been living nomadically since the pandemic. So we'd been living all over kind of bumming with friends, staying in Airbnbs, or being at home with our very respective families. And it's been just a crazy process of figuring out where we wanted to live, given that we both work remotely, making the move to New York, and finally starting to get settled in again and actually having our own space instead of being adult children that we've been for the last <laughs> two years. <laughs> what was the, I mean, was the nomadic intentional? Was the nomadism, nom nomadism, nomadism <laughs> intentional? It was, but not like it was, we were one of the, one of those examples of people where the pandemic pushed us to think a lot about where we were living. We were in San Francisco and Eric was like, oh, the pandemic will be over in like three months. Let's just stick it out. So we stayed. And then six months in, I was like, hey, I don't think it's going to be over in the four months that you told me earlier this year. Um, <laughs> and I said, you know, like, it's really tough. We're both from the East Coast. We were just really far from family. You couldn't really see friends that much. And I said, maybe we should think about moving out and going closer to home. So we sold all of our furniture. We packed up our car and drove across the country, made it back to Toronto for Christmas. And then we kind of had this plan of like, we'll figure out what we do for the next couple of months from there. Yeah. And then you just you just vibed. <laughs> you just like went from place to place and like thinking, working working remotely from friends' places. Mm -hmm. and just like we really to liked each other. it. It was yeah. it was really awesome. It was kind of nice because I used to be someone who planned ahead a lot, and with the pandemic, and we were kind of still in that like waiting to be vaccinated window, so things were always a little bit uncertain. You couldn't really plan that far in advance, and so it was really different for us to finally do something where the only answer we had for like where we thought we would be in a couple of months was like, we don't know. We kind of know the next like eight to 12 weeks. We haven't figured out beyond that. Mm. You're like maybe the, you're the, like the second person on the show slash like the fourth person I know in real life that like, that yeah, like embrace like a digital nomadic lifestyle. <laughs> um, I feel like it's like, it's like a thing. It's a wave. And I'm kind of jealous. Wait, who else do you know, DeAndre? I have a friend named um, Shelby from college. Her and her husband also like went full, went full nomadic and like, you know, sold all their shit and like bought, a, I think they like bought a van and like did the whole, the whole sitch and like traveled around the country and are now settling down back in North Carolina. But we're fully like, we're fully like, you know, addressless for, for like yeah. six months, I think. We we uh, we did an episode uh, with a friend of mine named Elaine who was talking about being a digital nomad and uh, you know she has been in China like during the pandemic and like she really it was really interesting to hear her talk about like she defines it very much as like you know getting a ticket to go somewhere and like just not having a return ticket you know and just having it be very open ended in that way you know yeah. Which to me, I don't find appealing whatsoever. Because <laughs> like I after my first job, um, 
I left uh, in like 2017. I like went to do the whole like, oh, I'm going to go travel around Europe thing, you know, where I like went through Italy and then I went through like Ljubljana. Uh, I went through Zagreb. It was just actually what well, was during the World Cup. So like it was like things were like really wild uh, in Zagreb. And then I went through like Sarajevo and ended up in Belgrade. And like it was fun um i definitely don't like traveling by myself which i ha only had to do for some legs of that trip but i all i really felt like so much of the hype that you see on like youtube of these people who are like <laughs> yeah, you know like i'm just gonna like you know travel the world was so not appealing to me because like i you know for the most part especially if you're not staying somewhere for a really long time you're basically just interacting with the tourism industry yeah and like i don't I feel like all of that is so like not the exposure to like the different cultures that you're hoping it's going to be, you know, because it's all catered towards like, you know, American tourists. I think it is tricky with like short stays in different places. Mm -hmm. Like one of our we did three months in Europe while we were being nomadic in 2021. And the thing that was the most different from everything you just described was like, we made a rule of we will stay in every place at least for two weeks. Mm. And so the dynamic when you show up is like, get an Airbnb, your first day, it's like, go get groceries, right? Figure out where people do laundry and, you know, explore your neighborhood. And so I think so much of that experience made it feel a lot more like real life, but in a different place instead of being on one of those trips where you're like, all right, I got to the hotel, I have three days, I'm gonna go see all the things and do all the things and then move on. Mm -hmm. I think for us, doing that longer stay while we were being nomadic made it a lot more sustainable, a lot more enjoyable as well. Like, we actually had this realization of neither of us really enjoys doing touristy things by the like sixth or seventh hour. And if you are working a work day and just doing touristy things around it, you're doing like three or four hours of fun things. And mm -hmm. it's super fun at that point. It's like bite size. You're just not, I don't know, not, it's not as overwhelming. And then the work part of the day was actually really grounding of like, hey, we have a routine. We're still doing our normal lives, but we're just in this new place to take it in outside of the work day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. How long was that like total the like that trip? Um, we went with the intention of being in Europe for a month and a half and it ended up being three months. So we did have a return flight. We booked the return flight and we just changed it like three times. And then the following year we were like, oh, before we settle down, let's go to Europe again. So we did another six weeks the second time we went back. That one was not as adventurous because it was a lot more planned yeah so what was i mean what made you decide on new york city we when we graduated from college we had this big debate of san francisco or new york and eric was going to work in tech afterwards so san francisco felt like a very logical place for us to go and we basically said let's move farther away from home and then come back to live closer to family in a few years and so we said let's go to san francisco first and then we'll always we had just like committed we were like new york is on our bucket list we both love the city we've always wanted to live here and we basically in 2017 said we'll go to san francisco and we will be back in a few years that was mm -hmm. Mm. that was the plan we were just a little bit late getting around to it <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So what is it that you like about New York City? So having only been here for a month, this is a hard question to answer. I, I think for <laughs> well, me- Well, actually, what was it that was in your head before you ever came to New York City where you're like, oh, this is why you know New York City is one of our top two choices? Yeah. I think for me growing up, it was always this mythical place in storybooks, in TV shows, and I have so many storybooks at home that talk about New York. I think I was just always in awe at how big it is, at how much there is. And I think I am someone who very much enjoys optionality and having a lot of choices for what I can do. And New York feels like a very good place for that. I think as a kid, it was like, 
the shopping and like the cool museums. And now as an adult, it's that layered on with like the food and the culture and like the arts and music scene and having a lot of different things we can do in the evenings or on the weekends that you don't necessarily get as much range if you're elsewhere or in a smaller place. So mm-hmm. yeah, now that you're there, what are what are the things that you're going to talk about? Yeah, it's a good question. I think in the month that we've been here, I have realized that there is an extra layer I had never thought about, which is the convenience. I think having never lived in a place that is this dense, it is incredible how much there is at within like a block from us. And it is not something I'd ever considered or really put value on. But the idea that I can walk my block and get 10 different kinds of food or go to like three different small grocery stores, but still like three different stores and pick up things I'm looking for or, you know, anything I'm looking for, there's some option for it within 15 minutes is pretty wild. I mm-hmm. think that has been the biggest surprise factor because I also did not think I was someone who valued that sort of convenience before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you still have, or did you ever have a car slash do you still have a car? Uh, we did have a car. Yeah, we had our car in San Francisco. So we drove it across the country with us. Oh yes, It is currently parked in New Jersey. We haven't really figured out what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just hanging out in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, the, the, the things that uh, I, so I grew up in Connecticut. My mom worked in New York City and like, I went to New York, like, eh, whatever, like every so often we would go to, um, watch these like super weird like performances at the new victoria theater which is like some off-broadway theater and uh that was like pretty much like my main impression of new york growing up and i had to say like i did not (laughs) have any positive associations with new york city (laughs) like like, i have a couple friends from college who live there now and um one like christmas time i went to go visit them and they wanted to go to the like macy's has some kind of like whatever holiday festive thing that you can go and like take photos for instagram or whatever on like the top floor of the macy's building and knowing me you i should have just known that i wasn't gonna like this from the very beginning but like as soon as I got in, I was like, oh, my God, I have to get out of this building. <laughs> and, like, there was this basically, a, like, you know, I basically, like, turned right around. And, like, the problem was there was, like, a huge line both for the elevator and the escalator. And there was no, there was literally, like, no way to escape. I was, like, trapped <laughs> in this building. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like, <laughs> I just need to literally get out of this building, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, like, that is literally, like, a really foundational, like, archetypical core memory for me of what New York is like, of, like, the feeling of being in New York, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Um, I really feel like there are two people. It's just, like, people that love it and people that really fucking hate it, you know? Mm -hmm. I, um... Well, what do you... How do you feel, DeAndre? I'm not a New York guy. I don't like it, but, um... I will say, kind of going off of like the locale, like neighborhoody vibe that Isabella, you were hitting on. The last time I went to New York was last year, and I was going with my 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 friends Shrey, who's been on this podcast extensively, and James, and um, and we uh, didn't do like the those two boys are pretty like low energy, so there's almost no like touristiness at all and like i think the thing that i hate about traveling which new york amplifies is like the feeling like we have to go and do eight things in a day i really don't want to do that like i like to do like like one one thing thing, you know like i'm a (laughs) one thing kind of guy right like i get it i want to i want to roll out you know i want to have a chill morning i want to roll out of the airbnb at like 11 or noon or one I want to do the thing, whether it's like go to Central Park or whatever, and come back at like four or five, 
get some dinner and then like chill or drink or do, you know, like have or like go out or whatever. But I'm not trying to like be in cabs, walking across the city, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's not my, that's my jam. So these boys really <laughs> have a similar mentality. And I got to say, we went to the Lower East Side. We got a, um, we got an Airbnb like somewhere in the Lower East Side and um, just like really had a lot of fun just like hanging out in like the four to five block radius of our Airbnb. It was so good. Like I was like, wait, like this is how I need, when I, when I come to New York, this is how I need to do it. Like I was having such a good time. We would go to the same bar every night. We became friends with the, it's shout out to spikes in the lower East side of Manhattan. Um, <laughs> we made friends with the bartenders. It was like a meme because it was it was like last year when the New York Rangers were playing the Carolina Hurricanes in the in the like the Stanley Cup playoffs, whatever. So Stray's a big Canes fan and wanted to watch the Canes game, so we went to this bar. And it became like a meme, like we're the Carolina guys, you know, and they like we were talking shit and they were talking shit. It was a beautiful like exchange of exchange of culture really <laughs> it's the only time fun fact only time in my life where i've ever been given free drinks i love that it was such a good experience and i was like damn maybe i like you know like i just need to come i feel like i just need to completely shirk the the like expectations of what it's what like you should do when you're going and traveling to a place you know i think that is a big pitfall of new york like it is a place that makes you feel like you have to do more. And I think actually, yeah. I, we've definitely been victim to it. Like we've had only a couple of weekends here and already I can feel the, like it kind of just their tentacles and they like creep onto you and they're like, do this thing and do this other thing. And it takes a lot of self-control to say like, no, actually I'm going to have the things that I think I should do this weekend and just enjoy it. But mm -hmm. my suspicion is that if one can get to a place where they do that, then it is a very enjoyable place to live. Yeah. Like, I do think a lot of people talk about New York in a way where it's like, it's very overwhelming and you're being constantly pulled in a lot of different directions and there's just too much stimulus. And I think yeah. so much of that is like, if you can kind of get over that hill and say no to things, then it gets a lot better. Yeah. Do you feel like New York smells bad? I feel like I feel like New York <laughs> smells bad. <laughs> You're asking someone who used to live in San Francisco. Um, does, think, does San Francisco smell bad? You think it's yeah? San Francisco worse? I don't know anything. So about San Francisco is like with the homelessness. I think there is just a lot of like it is. There are a lot of parts of the city that don't smell great, and it's kind of the case year round mm -hmm. because the weather is also the same year round there. But then I think New York smells worse in the summers. I think it's mm -hmm. okay in the colder weather. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's good to know. <laughs> well, DeAndre, where do you feel like DC is on this? I used to live in DC and that's where DeAndre lives. I don't really feel like DC smells bad. There's like, yeah, there's not really. I feel like I never had that experience either. Yeah. But DC is just like nowhere nearly as dense of a city as like, as either of those mm -hmm. places are, you know? I mean, like, is that. DeAndre, for you, is that like a a top five factor? <laughs> no, it's just like a. That you're paying attention to? No, it's I, you know, I have found it to be, um, how do I say this? I found it to be like a a sign that maybe this isn't the place for me. Hmm. Because things that smell bad okay. are typically just like accumulations of like human beings like littering a place or like i don't know it's just like i'm not a city boy this is the thing about me like I, you know i'm like very much i'm very much like when i go to back home to the south and like i get out of the car like in the deep breath of like fresh air that you take it's just so i don't know i feel like i, I really can truly smell the difference between like a city and a non-city mm. you know it could it could that's like how when Greta Thunberg, right, when it sailed across the Atlantic or whatever, when she came into New York, that was like the first thing she said. She was like, man, like, this place does not smell good. This place is, 
horrific. But also, if you're in on the ocean for like weeks at a time or however long she was like on that trip, I'm sure everything would smell bad compared to like <laughs> the ocean air. You know? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Isabella? Well, have you, you have you always been a city person? Do you have any interest in living in not in not a city ever? Mm, well, yeah. I mean, like my parents grew up in uh, I grew up in a suburb, um, and my parents now live in a more rural area than the place that I grew up. Like they sold the house that I grew up in during the pandemic, and um, you know, like I just don't. It's funny. There's a, so I, you know, like in in my work because I do death care related stuff. A lot of the people I work with are much older, and whenever I tell them that I you know work and live in Philadelphia. They're, they just associate the city with being super dangerous, you know? Someone called me the other day being like, oh, I need to go, like, visit a grave in Philadelphia. Do you think I'll be safe going from 30th Street and getting in an Uber going to the cemetery? And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, like, I, work, I walk around at night in Philadelphia all the time. Like, it's really so not at all. Like, you know, there's this fear factor, I think, that a lot of people who I think don't live in cities, especially older people, feel. Um, and I feel that way in the exact opposite, like in a place that's super rural where you're like, I don't, there's not a lot of people around. That's the thing that makes me feel not safe, you know? <laughs> I think I am the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like... <laughs> I feel... Oh, go ahead, Isabella. Oh, I was going to say... I. I feel stressed when I'm in the suburbs if I don't have a car because I am overwhelmed by the sense of like being trapped and it is like the number one thing I think that reinforces how much of a city person I am because I like the idea of knowing I can go to another place where there are people and things and shops and just civilization that's like really close by. I think whenever I'm in the suburbs and I can't do that like the idea of like I could not walk somewhere and get a cup of coffee by foot is just this crazy thing for me, which makes me very, very nervous and makes me really want to go to the store and like stock up on food. <laughs> Super irrational. Yeah, it, it's not rational in the slightest. Yeah, I mean the the disparity, like or not the disparity, like the like the differences in the ways that people live across this country are just like so insane. You know, like. I grew up in a place where, like, you, you know, everyone had a car. You have, you just, you live in this, in this place, you have to have a car because you have to drive to the grocery store, you have to drive everywhere. Like, public transit was, like, something that I saw on, like, movies, you know, and, like, TV. Like, kids riding on buses or whatever. We, like, wrote, we had buses that took us to and from school, but, like, city buses, things like that, not really a thing, at least not in my childhood. Um, so, it was wild to me when, like, you know, I like first experience what it's like to live in a place where like people walk everywhere. You know, I hated it. <laughs> you hated it. I love I love driving. I really do. Yeah, I um, I don't. I now I now really enjoy being able to take my bike to places. Like I do, sincerely really enjoy that. Um, and I don't. I, I no longer hate it. I mean, I hate walking, but I don't just like living in a place where places are close to me. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Um, it's the, I, I, I get the same feeling that Isabella gets. I get in a city when I don't have a car. Like I, I remember when I first moved to DC, I felt like I was trapped in this city and like, hmm. I had no way to like get out to like, you know, a nature situation. And that like really freaked mm-hmm. me out. Um, I tried to, I well, tried to Isabella... do, go ahead. Yeah, you can finish your sentence. No, I just said I tried to do DC <laughs> without a car and I lasted like seven months. Oh yeah. For my sake. <laughs> um, Isabel, did you grow up in like in the city proper in Toronto, uh, or were you like also raised like in the suburbs? I guess technically, we grew up. I grew up in like the as far out as you can get while still being in the city. So we were on a subway line. So we were like mm. a twenty-minute subway ride to downtown. But I am in an area, like my parents live in an area where it starts to feel a little bit more suburban. So they always drove me places. We like, I actually don't have that many memories of taking the subway with them to get around. But I did take the subway to school every day starting in seventh grade. 
And I think that probably shaped a lot of my comfort level and perception because also when you're 11, you can't drive. And so the subway is this like crazy awesome thing. You can get around without anyone else's schedule holding you back. And it definitely got me very comfortable with the whole idea of, I feel safer when there are lots of other people around. I think I was also very much trained from an early age to like, you know, when the subway car pulls into the station, don't go on the really empty car, go on the one where there's actually other people because that's a lot safer for you as a kid. And even now as an adult, I will still kind of tend to do the same thing where it's like I would rather go where there are more people than less. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, like I do hear stories of people like, you know, I, I did have a friend who like got mugged on the subway the other day because like that for that exact thing, like he got in the car that like there's only one other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we have actually like looked up these statistics before, DeAndre, of like who's right, you know, like per capita. Cities are more dangerous. I think we did. The city is more dangerous. I think it is. Hold on. Let me, wait. No. I mean, now your son. Now. Let me. No. 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 I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to fake news. This podcast. Hold on. I thought it was just that the city's more has more people, but like per capita, I thought that it was the the suburbs are more dangerous. I wonder if it's different types of crime. Like, I could imagine just the nature of the crime is very different. Like, you're not going to pickpocket anyone in the suburbs. Yeah. So, property crime in cities is almost um, almost twice as high as... Um, like, that means, like, breaking into someone's car is that kind of thing? Yeah. Like, being the... I think... I, I can't... I don't know if, like, being mugged is a, considered a property crime or not. But mm. um, having things stolen from you is like, um, you know, which I think people like are scared of or whatever, <laughs> um, mm. is about twice as high in urban areas as it is in suburban areas, about three times as high as rural areas. Um, so, I mean, you know, like, I think this makes sense. I'm not advocating, like, I don't, you know, I don't think people should be scared to live in cities, but, um, sure, you know. It's I, I think that like the perception of crime like generally I, it's just so um, like warped in our society right it's like you know like we don't talk about like we talk about like violence in aggregate we don't talk about like targeted versus untargeted murders we like you know it's all it's all like horseshit and like you know signs of whatever like <laughs> I. When someone that, like, you know, when a white human tells me they're afraid to walk through a neighborhood because, like, they're afraid because, like, people get, like, shot there or whatever, I'm like, dude, like, no one's going to, like, you know, like, the, you are still, are, like, a white person walking through an area, like, you're probably not, you're probably going to be okay or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, that being said, I mean, it sucks to have your car broken into. I get that. <laughs> I'm actually really surprised that it's more likely to happen in cities because, like, my... Uh, my parents had their house like robbed at some point. It was like on a Thanksgiving when we were like at our family's house, like mm-hmm. our grandparents' house, and um, like apparently that's a really common thing is that like you know they know you're gonna be traveling, and it's like if you live in the suburbs, like there's more likelihood that no one is gonna actually even see if someone like you know comes into your house in the middle of the day compared to even if you're living in a city and you're you're like not there so there's probably just people around like watching so i'm kind of surprised that the property crimes is more likely in a city mm, i see you know i think property crimes also include things like carjackings right like mm, okay okay which are yeah. like a very urban thing you know mm-hmm. um totally it's harder it's harder and more logistically difficult to carjack someone if, if you're not in a city <laughs> you know um, harder to get to the cars in the first place. Yeah. Harder to get to the cars. Hard, like less places for the to take said car before, to make money off of it. You know. Um. So I think there's also just like, you know, in more densely populated areas, there's there are certain kinds of crimes that become like more feasible. You know. I think it's also mm-hmm. like maybe mug somebody or like you know it's like there's just more more mugging places. I think in in cities. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. There's the there's not really people walking around as much in like less populated areas, right? Um, I wouldn't even know. Like I'm thinking about like you know where I grew up, you know I wouldn't even know where someone would get mugged, like 
maybe in a parking lot, mm. you know, the parking lot of, of a food lion, maybe at late at night, I could see that happening. Um, mm-hmm. But people aren't just like walking down the street, you know? So. Yeah. I don't know. Totally. This, but is that is that a factor for you? Like, do you ever think, like, when you're thinking about a place to live, do you think about crime? This is like probably a... Pr- well, that's um, what I was going to ask. I was going to be like, what's your number one factor? For me, I feel like crime is like really not like you know super uh it's not it's not i guess like a completely non-factor it's just that like you know because of class and shit like that like you know the place that i'm more likely to live anyway is probably just going to be safer like the places where i know people already living are going to be the places that i want to live and like they're probably already living in a safer neighborhood relatively speaking like i live in west philadelphia like that is one of the you know safer relative to like you know north philly or something like that you know sure yeah which kind of gets at what which kind of gets at what what i was talking about about like crime like we we view we view crime in a weird way you know right for sure what about you isabella is it is is crime a thing that you all think about when you're like trying to decide where you want to live i think it's like it's not something i think about at the city level I think it is something that probably crosses my mind subconsciously when it comes down to like where in the city I live to what Mm -hmm. Isabel was saying about like picking neighborhoods. But I think I don't, yeah, I don't, I think there's also just like a perception of like, if you talk to parents or like older people in general, right, they're like everywhere is dangerous. And so there's almost this like desensitization of, well, I'm going to pick a big city. They probably all sound dangerous. You can probably find me scary statistics on all of them. Yeah. And it it's like the contrast of like an example I remember in the pandemic, there was a lot of there were a lot of hate crime hate crimes that happened on the subway in New York. And that was something that like people talked a lot about, especially in the Asian American community. And when we first came back to New York after the pandemic, we were like oh, subway, like taking the subway seems a little scary. But then like you, you know, you do it a couple of times and you get on the subway and you're like, this feels exactly like how it used to feel. And there, there is this like big perception gap between a statistic that someone tells you and your real daily lived experience being in that place. Mm-hmm. I think that just for us was like, people are going on with their lives as normal like you probably should be more careful and like you know don't stand on the subway platform blasting music from your airpods and like i will get on the subway platform and try to stand against a wall so that there is less of a chance that someone can push me from behind me like i do think about these things but at the end of the day it's like the statistics are still it it's hard like i think i would not want to live my life where it's like these statistics scared me and so i did something differently yeah. And so at the end of it, it's like, yeah, the crime statistics exist, but I will, st- it, it probably is not the top factor in what I decide. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't use statistics responsibly anyway, right? Like we just see big numbers and we have no point of comparison for them ever. We don't know whether it's trending up or down. We don't think of things in terms of like percentages, right? Like we just see a big number and any big number sounds like a big number. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. And you don't yeah. know where they're coming from or how they're calculated half the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I also, yeah, no, there's like, there's so much dissonance in like looking at these numbers and like being in these places. Like, I, I think the place I grew up is considered to be like one of the more dangerous cities in America. I was, I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this list now. And I'm number 55 in, the, in all of the cities in the U.S. in terms of like, I guess, murder rates. But, um, mm-hmm. and D.C. where I live now is number 13 on this list. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, just like such a disparate experience of like knowing these like these stats and living in these places, right? Yeah. I truly like I mean this is my this is pretty naive of me maybe. But I don't know. Maybe it's naive, maybe it's not, but like I truly am not worried about being murdered in my city. Yeah. 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 The things that people fear, like you know how people have this like, you know, fear that there's gonna be someone who breaks in their house in the middle of the night? Yeah. Like like that literally doesn't happen because it's harder to rob someone in the middle of the night because you literally can't see like 
And that's where the people are going to be in their house at night, <laughs> yeah. right? Sleeping in their beds, yeah. right? Better to rob their house in the day when they're at work, right? <laughs> Not going to lie. Like, I, I do. I, to this day, I'm still spooked about it, though. But, like, it literally makes no fucking sense yeah. why that would ever even happen, right? It's so right? silly. Yeah, like, no. Like, there's, like, five the, people the in my house. The time to rob... Yeah. It would be such a bad idea. Like, it would be such a bad idea that the, the place to rob is the place where nobody is, like a bank. When there's no one in the bank, that's the time to rob the bank, right? In the middle of the night. Like, don't go into someone's house. That's where they are. <laughs> I will say my biggest fear, though, when I'm in the suburbs in, like, a large house is exactly that. And it's – so it's – actually, it's an extension of what you both described, right? It's the fear that I will come home at like an unpredictably early point in time and the robber will still be in the house yeah and my fear is like i will walk in and because i have come home unexpectedly early which is hilarious because it's like i come home when i want right it's not like they're i'm on their schedule but you know the robber will be trapped in the house and will hide in like a closet and wait till I'm asleep to try to leave or something. And so that is my biggest fear. Whenever I go to Airbnbs, I like check all the closets first. Cause oh, I'm yeah, like, what no, if someone gotta... was in here? I clear the Airbnb around. like I was like, like I'm in the military, like I'm a cop, you know, like I like go room by room and I open every door and I like open it really fast. You know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like just yeah. <laughs> and, like, I jump scare myself when I'm checking the closets <laughs> in Airbnbs. <laughs> I absolutely jump scare myself. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. Is so, whether you clear out your you don't you don't clear out your no. Airbnbs, do you? No, no. No. No, you don't. I have so much trust. Like I did like why would that that's absurd. <laughs> why would that ever happen? And Airbnb it literally has like there's not gonna be any valuables in it because it's an Airbnb, right? Well, Airbnb's like, have TVs in them. They're, they're kinda nice sometimes. I guess. I guess I just don't know I don't know like, anything about what like what is a modern robber doing? You know, like, what? I don't know anything about, like, you know, are people's houses still getting broken into and, like, stuff getting stolen from them? Is that still happening? Like, I, don't I just think don't, so. I don't even know, you know, like. I, I really doubt it. I do mean, like, I'm sure it must happen or whatever, but, like, you're, yeah, we, we just know we're not afraid of the things that are rational to be afraid about. We're not afraid of cars. Yeah, like, no, and that's, <laughs> those are so dangerous. Cars are incredibly dangerous. Right. It is so much more reasonable to be afraid of a car than it is to be afraid of a robber. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot more cars than robbers, and they are everywhere. Yes. And a lot of times, and they're piloted they... by complete who knows who they are, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like in, in fact, right? Like when people are, I know so many people who are afraid of flying, and flying is like one of the safest things you can do. Yeah, it's you know? incredibly safe. But man, for something that is so safe, it can just feel so incredibly not right i don't know what you're talking about you don't know okay <laughs> you've never been on a flight and, it, and it's really there's a lot of turbulence i that doesn't have, feel that doesn't feel but, safe i know it's safe but it doesn't feel safe you know like there's no there's not really an equivalent for that for that like in a car right like there's never i mean maybe there is i mean i don't know like but like i don't know like there's no like maybe you could say like driving in the rain is like a scary feeling or like you know whatever but I don't know, yeah. like the feeling of being <laughs> in an airplane, in the air, you know, like miles in the air, and then like that thing starts shaking violently. <laughs> that's not right. But, what, but that's the thing is that like even if it's shaking, it's like it's not going to hit anything because there's nothing around it. Yeah, it's it not, can fall out of the sky. Yeah, that's not. It's not the. <laughs> it's not the hitting. It's the falling out of the sky that. That I, is the scary part. I made a huge mistake a few weeks ago. I was reading, um, there's a book about the like, there were, there was a series of plane crashes around Newark. And there, this was maybe like 50 or 60 years ago, I want to say. There's a book, I think it was Judy Bloom. I think she, because she's from New Jersey. And so she wrote about those crashes and talked about like the impact on the town. And I made the mistake of reading that book on a plane. So it's like a whole other level when you're like sitting on an airplane reading a book about plane crashes. Big mistake. Big mistake. But now, mistake. now I'm not scared because I'm like, could it get any worse than that? And probably not. That's like a very, just like the worst thing to do in the worst place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that's a really, a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Isabel, you just like, 
when the when the turbulence starts, you're just cool. You're like you don't care about it at all. Dude, I sleep like a baby. I sleep right through it. I do quite <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah, I was gonna say I also like I'm someone where I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like this is like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I like I like I like flying. I think like I I want to have the window open. You know, I want to look. I want to see all the things. It's like very cool, but in my head, the whole time that I'm flying, there's 10% of me thereabouts that is sure that I'm going to die. <laughs> like <laughs> there's like there's like one tenth of me that's like this I'm this 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 plane is going to crash. There's no way it's not going to crash. Yeah. This is like probably just a biological Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. I'm like I, I'm not on. supposed to be up here. You know what I mean? I don't have whatever that is. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, sorry. I don't, I'm not afraid of heights. Like I don't have any of that of that going on, really. I'm so happy. So, for you. it seems like it's probably actually not something that you should be selected for evolutionarily. No, it's not good. Yeah, you know. you know. Well, I'm curious. What do both of you think is like the actual most dangerous like moment that you've you know had in your life? Regardless of how much fear you felt. And then actually, did you feel like you actually had the proportional amount of fear that was requisite to the amount of danger you were in? Yeah. I mean, pursuant to the car thing, I've been in like, you know, I think there's been like two or three almost accidents that like, had I not done the thing that got me out of the accident, I was, I would surely would have died, you know? And like... Mm, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm. You know? Okay. Um, And I think that I was like... When I'm in like a, when I'm in like a near a near scruff in a car, this thing happens where I'm like I do the thing and then I get this like burst of adrenaline afterwards and my heart starts beating really quickly. Um, so in the moment I wasn't like you know I was just like I like reacted from instinct but then like got like retroactively scared, mm-hmm. you know. But like I think yeah, statistically those must have been the like the the most dangerous things that I've been in, right? I mm-hmm. don't know. I can't think of anything. I would assume it's got to be something in a car as well if there's nothing that stands out to me otherwise. Near death experience. I was like hiking on a mountain yeah. in the Shenandoah and on Old Rag once oh. when it was like super rainy and foggy. It was actually way more foggy than rainy. And like, there's this part of old rag where like, you know, the, it's like not exactly clear where the trail goes and you're at the very peak. And like, we thought we had to go one way and then we like actually were like, ah, I don't know if this actually is right. And so then we actually went the other way and then we could see from the other side that that like, had we just gone a little bit more, it like totally would have just slipped into like a cliff, you know, <laughs> like we would have just like, you know, cause like we couldn't see anything, you know? So we were kind of just blindly like, shuffling around (laughs) on top of this mountain jesus that's not right crazy so this is a complete topic change but isabella is your is your job just like completely cool with you moving around wherever do you tell them yeah so i i guess i'm very lucky because i work at a company that's fully remote and it's been a big part of the company ethos since the beginning because it was a pandemic company so we like when i first joined everyone was all over the us and we've since hired people in australia and the uk and it is just normalized now that you can be wherever as long as you can get the right like work authorization to be wherever you live and we have basically gotten to a place where we have a couple of hours a day that are required for everyone to be online at the same time. But outside of that, it's very much like choose your own adventure, get your work done, be a responsible person. Oh, that's so sick. That seems tough time zone wise, I gotta say. Between like Australia? We do have, yeah. Australia is the tricky one, but we otherwise basically have like 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, which is kind of the sweet spot of overlap for everyone else. And so those are our like expected online hours with the exception of the people in Australia. But they have pretty good overlap with the West Coast here. So then it works out decently. Like we've been thoughtful around like how to staff up different teams. And so that the people who have 
more comparable time zones get a little bit more overlap with each other. So where do most of your friends live now? Everywhere. Um, we have, they, they've also kind of distributed themselves. So some people made the move from San Francisco to New York. There's a number of people who are still out on the West Coast. Um, we've got friends who moved to Utah or Colorado during the pandemic who've stayed. And I've always had a lot of friends back at home in Toronto. So it's really tough. We like, I think actually that never factored into where to live because we just knew that they were going to be all over. And the idea of like seeing friends is a weekend trip type of commitment versus something of like, oh, I would move to be close to this friend in like XYZ place. I think it's always been less of an option for us. Because for me, that's like the number one factor. It's just like, where do my friends live? Like, because I really have been like bought into this notion that like, you know, intimacy scales sort of like logarithmically to to distance, mm-hmm. right? Like someone who lives right next door to you is just like so much more accessible to you than even if you have to like walk like five blocks, you know? So- I'm super curious about that because it's something I've thought about as well of like, would I actually see a friend more if I lived in the same place as them? Cause I am curious, mm-hmm. like, I feel like as adults, we, it's not like being in college where it's really, there's a lot of downtime in your schedule or it's like flexible. I feel like as adults, we don't have as much of that. And you really do have to deliberately go out of your way to see people. And so one of the, things that I think a lot about is when I don't live in the same city as a friend, but I maybe make two trips a year to see them, I get two full weekends of quality time with that person. That's like somewhere in the like, you know, 48 hours minus sleeping time range of like, we spent a bunch of time together. And I've always been curious if I actually hit an equivalent point with friends who are nearby, or if I end up just like being too busy and then see the friends who are nearby like once a month for like, two hours at a time mm-hmm. yeah i think that that's like a big life design thing for me is that like you know i would really like to like you know pre- like create norms around which like you know i don't i have friends where i don't have to schedule time with them where i can be like hey do you want to go for a walk like right now you know that's what i'm that's my sort of like goal in life right now is to just like get people to the point Right. Where and I and I do have the privilege of being able to do that in West Philadelphia because there are quite a lot of people who like live in like a, you know, 10 block radius of me um, that are, you know, that's one of the really nice things about Philadelphia is that like people don't have nine to five jobs necessarily. So like, you know, often the things that I'm doing because like I work for myself, so I don't need to really adhere to a particular schedule is like I can just, you know, go hang out with people in the middle of the day you know it's pretty awesome yeah and i was just visiting someone in seattle actually where like she and her partner uh got you know a how two houses like you know immediately adjacent to each other and i'm like this is like you know the the dream you know <laughs> that's that's a cool vibe i know and they built a little bridge between their two houses and it was like oh this is like but the thing is like you know there's always like that being the dream and then it's like so hard to in real life make that kind of thing happen yeah it's just like not a commitment that like is normal yet so like i feel like it's like you know hard to find friends that will be down for that Mm -hmm. i truly would i truly would just like buy a house with my current like group of housemates like absolutely i would yeah totally like we talked a lot about like friends or kind of like picking where you live, but then I have never lived near family that isn't my parents. Mm-hmm. That's been also like an interesting dynamic for us as we've moved here because we now have grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins who live nearby and having to think about what sort of a relationship we want with them in the same way of like, before we would come to the city once a year and see them once a year but it feels really sad if we live here and we still only see them once a year but it's like we're also not trying to see them every week Mm -hmm. and so there's this in between 
And then yeah. talking about the friends piece made me think about that a little bit as well, because it's almost like you have to slot in family members as other friends in your rotation or like build a routine mm-hmm. around that. Are you close <laughs> with them? That's yeah, I was going to say like that is like I feel like I am not close enough with any of my extended family, like, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins in that way that like that would ever be a factor for me. But like, what's your relationship with your like extended family? I I am pretty close with a lot of my cousins. And they have younger kids who I think there's just more life updates and you kind of, you know, there's more excitement when you see them every time because they're growing and developing so quickly as people. So I think there's a number of cousins who live around New York for us where we're trying to figure out how much we can see them without it becoming every weekend there's like a different relative that we should go visit. I think there's got to be this sweet spot of how much can we integrate a little bit into their lives more versus being the relatives who parachute in for like two days at a time every year mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. totally yeah i <laughs> i i like live near my dad he lives in baltimore um and i just like yeah i never get i never go i never i very rarely go to see him like three times three four times a year i mean this is kind of like the what isabella what you were talking about about like you know just how much does proximity really matter i mean he's like an hour away though that's the thing so i don't know that's still mm-hmm. kind of long distance but he's like i live way closer to him now than i ever have and i just like just don't do i do not do a good job of going out there mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah so it's funny when people are like oh i want to be close to family i feel like that's the kind of thing that usually only ever like realistically comes into play if you're trying to have kids and you need someone to help you watch your kids. Well, some people are really close to their family. No, I know. But just like, I feel like, yeah, like if you're, if you're just like scheduling, oh, are we going to visit these people? Are we not going to visit them? Like that I think is a much lower stakes thing compared to like, I think often it's like a really calculated, like, oh, we live in a country that does not have any kind of adequate system for childcare. Like this is actually going to be like a pretty imminent, uh, not crisis necessarily, but like actually could kind of be not crisis level, but like pretty serious, you know. Isabella was 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 something that you and Eric thinking about raising children. Do y'all want to have kids? We do. I don't think New York is the place, though. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think that was a big part of the like. We should move here. We should stop being nomadic and move to New York sooner rather than later, so we get to enjoy our New York years. And I think for us, that that is definitely a big part of it. Like, I don't think we would. I guess I've seen a lot of people raise one kid in New York. I think it gets really hard when you get to multiple children just because of space and the reality of, like, carrying two little humans around in a place where you can't put them in a car. Like, I do think that is actually a really big part of it. Outside of the car thing, are there are, are there any other things that, like, make you feel as if, like, you know, like, where would you want to raise kids? I will caveat that as a Canadian, I think this is, like, this shapes a big part of my perspective on this, which is I think I would really want to raise my kids in Canada. Um, I feel a lot more affinity towards the Canadian at least at like an early education perspective, I feel a lot more affinity towards the curriculum there. Thinking about the sorts of things that are standardized and like what kids are going to learn in like grades one through five. I think for me, a big part of that is having my kids being in the Canadian school system. Mm -hmm. So probably would move back to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually really have never heard much about the Canadian school system before. Like, you know, I obviously like feel like people talk about the healthcare system a lot. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think my biggest, like, I just remember, actually, this came up when Eric was telling me, like, early on when we were dating, he was, like, telling me about classes he'd taken in high school. And I was like, wow, that's crazy that you had access to all these, like, different topics in school and, like, these fun different subject areas and I was like I can't believe that the state has curriculum for all of these topics and he was like oh no like if you go to a private school in America like they can teach you whatever they want and I was so mind blown (laughs) because the way it works in Ontario is like even if you go to private school 
your all of your classes are subject to the Ministry of like the Ministry of Education's curriculum. So like if I take calculus in a private school, someone who goes to public school and takes calculus is getting exactly the same curriculum as I am. Granted, like there's probably differences in like the pedagogy and like the way the teacher approaches it. But at the end of the day, like you're being tested against the same knowledge. And that then applies to all the other subject areas, which may not be as concrete. And so it's just crazy to me to think like, oh, there's so much freedom and trust in like whatever school you pick in the U.S. Granted, I don't know how it works in other states, but I assume there's more freedom. Whereas like in Canada, at least for Ontario, you're like, you know, you're as a parent, you probably pick a good school, but you don't have to be as scrutinizing of the curriculum at that like next level of detail. Isabella, thanks so much for coming to hang out with us for a little bit and just talking to us a little bit about your life. How's uh Thank you, bro. Yeah, no worries. How's um so I, I like to ask an ending question and I've been I've gotten criticism for Isabel for using the same question. So <laughs> um <laughs> so I'm gonna try a different question. My different question is um um is what is the last minorly embarrassing thing to happen to you <laughs> Ooh, minorly or i, I guess <laughs> I, I i say minorly because i don't want you to have to like feel like you have to like bear your soul on this random podcast but if you want to say something that isn't minorly too you can say that <laughs> all right um i travel i travel a decent amount which is what makes this more embarrassing i was flying to denver for work a couple of weeks ago and I got to the airport I had gotten like six texts from the airline being like your gate has moved so I was like okay I should probably look at a screen so I went to a screen looked at like the next flight to Denver and was like oh shoot they like moved my gate really far away so I started the hike to the new gate got there actually what makes this worse is along the way there was another man who was walking to the same gate and he was like I think we missed our flight and I was like no no it's not supposed to like have left for another like we have 40 minutes like we're good he's like no I'm pretty sure it's left so we get to the gate and lo and behold the plane is gone but at that point we're like supposed to be 20 minutes into boarding so I'm like something is very wrong here I like ask the gate agent they're like oh this is not your flight they're like the flight that's left was a different flight your flight is actually back all the way over there from like the place I had started from where I thought was my old gate so long story short I nearly missed my flight because I didn't read the screen correctly and I walked to the wrong gate for the wrong flight while all the way insisting to the other passenger that he had not missed his flight oof so he did miss his flight he did miss his flight damn yeah and (laughs) And i was like so sure he didn't i was like no no you're fine like i was like we're fine we'll make it like Mm -hmm. it's gonna be great it was not (laughs) yeah it indeed was not great yeah pretty awkward measure twice cut once when you read the airport screen makes sense mine is that i was in a target recently and i didn't realize i had gone into the women's bathroom until i it was too late Last and time I was in the bathroom, so a man walked in and I said, he, he made eye contact with me and I smiled and said hi before I realized that he was in the wrong bathroom. I just thought it was perfectly reasonable for what it's worth. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, gender's a construct and, like, it, it's all dumb anyway. Um, but, you know, when you're, like, when you've, like, flushed the toilet and, like, opened the stall and, the, and the, you realize that you're in the wrong bathroom, it's, I mean... Did, did did anyone like comment on it or anything no i like i i really went like stealth mode like i really like it was very much felt like how do you, <laughs> what are you talking so about? when i walked in there wasn't anyone like <laughs> oot in a boot right mm-hmm. i went into the stall i did the thing and then i opened the stall and then i saw you know someone that i assumed to be a woman at the um at the sink washing her hands and she didn't see me, and I was like, oh shit. And so I panic, and I close the stall. 
And I was like, what have I, <laughs> and I was like, what have I done? <laughs> and, so you waited. And so you went waited. back and waited it out. <laughs> I waited. And then it's, of course, the second I started waiting, the bathroom got like really busy. Like 10 people come in. Yeah, the bathroom got really busy. <laughs> And it stayed that way for like five minutes. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, a, like, this is a nightmare scenario. You know, like I was like, I have, I have, you know, like, I was just like, <laughs> I was just panicking. Never leaving. And then, and then I finally like, I like, I heard like, I waited until I heard like a gap in sound. I didn't hear any water running. I opened the door. There was one person at the very end of the sinks that was like washing her hands. I just like rushed out. And luckily didn't run into anyone coming in. And so I like I got out very stealth mode and I went straight to the other bathroom because I hadn't even washed my hands. So I went to the next bathroom to wash my hands. And Wow. Um and I was texting my fiance and being like, Babe, I've made a grave mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um But no one screamed. No one screamed. No one screamed. Mm-hmm. Um That's wow. a win. Yeah. So I ultimately ultimately minorly embarrassing, but it could have been very embarrassing had like had like, I don't know, anyone decided to make a big deal out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um cool. Isabel, you don't get embarrassed, so I feel like you don't have one. No, I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I guess I guess like the fact that I just got hit by this car and then I had to pick up my soggy <laughs> mint milanos off the street <laughs> while it was raining. <laughs> And it was funny because like the woman pulled over and you know she I you know got her number and stuff even though like I didn't I guess it was kind of silly that I got her number because like you know I knew at the time clearly that I was not majorly injured at all but you know I just was sort of like I guess that's what you're supposed to do so I did it um and I like put them back down on the ground so I could get her number and she's like what are you doing and then she picked it up for me and she gave it back and you know I don't know. She thought that was a weird thing to do, I guess. But I'm like, well, they're already wet. Like, yeah. who cares now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. I think there's just something about the fact that she was like, oh, I hit this person with their car and like, you know, they're, they're like, you know, their cookies are soggy and like, I can't have both of those things happen or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I think when you just hit someone with their car, you're like trying to be like as deferent and helpful as you can because you feel right. Bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> let me hold your soggy cookies for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I would have, if I were her, I would have bought you like Costco sized cookies, like a tub of them. And like, just please don't leave your house anymore for these. Have a lot of them forever. <laughs> I literally have nightmares yeah. about hitting someone with my car. Like, I'm so afraid. Of really? Yeah. But what's crazy is that like, it's more, yeah, it's more scary to hit someone than to be hit. Yeah, because you don't. You know? Most time you don't see that you've been. You're, you don't see it coming, and then you get hit, and then you're like, "Damn, like I hit by a car." Yeah. But. It, but presumably, if you're driving, you also don't see it coming. You know. I guess, but then, yeah, as a driver, I'm like. Otherwise, you would stop. Hopefully. I'm just so afraid. <laughs> I'm like so afraid of just like hurting somebody, and then like, and then <laughs> like going to jail, and then what? like, oh, whatever. I'm pretty sure your insurance premiums just go up for the rest of your life, like. I mean, if you hurt someone by running into them, if well, you hurt, I guess if you if you hurt like them bad enough, kill you, them, you then maybe you go to jail. Sure. But I guess you're right. At some point, it's just like a civil suit, right? You just pay off their medical bills. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I feel like most of the... I, I really don't know what the line is. Like, what would push you over into, like, going to jail territory? Intent? Well, I mean, like, is it... Is it I, I would... I thought the line was just if they die... If they die, but you, you think that if they get jail. sufficiently, well, yes. But if you get you, but you think there's a also like if they get sufficiently injured, you could also go to jail. I don't know. Wow, this is a good question. <laughs> How bad do you have to hurt someone with your car to go to jail for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna type. I'm gonna type exactly that <laughs> into Google to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, I'm, I'm. I want to optimize this better. Do you yeah, go like, to oh. jail for <laughs> hitting someone with a car? Um, a true accident means jail is unlikely. Um, 
you get a citation, you may face misdemeanor charges. But I think, so I think Isabella was right. Like you need. It is intent. It's about intent. Mm. Um, but if it's, if it's real bad, you could face like reckless driving charges. And if reckless driving charges like end up with you, like that, you know, like if it's bad enough, I think you can go to jail. Hmm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, this conversation's taken a funny turn. <laughs> Anyways, Isabella, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you want to like ask the people to go look at <laughs> or engage with? Ooh, I didn't know I'd get a chance to do this. Um, I have a blog. It's called What Would a White Man Do? It is a piece of advice I give to friends a lot. Like I often talk about, like mostly in the context of work, but increasingly I think a little bit of other domains of life too, where sometimes I don't necessarily feel like I push for things enough or I'm appropriately assertive or confident in myself. It's a good reminder. (laughs) Leave the dish in the sink. Do it. Just do it, man. Your partner gets cancer. Fucking divorce him. That's what the white man would do. (laughs) No, literally, I, 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 I knew for. So I was like, you know, tabling this past weekend, and my table was right next to the American Cancer Society. So I printed out an article that that talks about that. You know, have you guys heard that statistic? That's like men are seven times more likely to leave their partner if they get cancer. (laughs) They get diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a real study and it was published by CBS News and and coincidentally CBS News was on the other side of my booth. So it was perfect. And so, so I was like, hey, you know, if you have any predisposition for cancer, it might be even more important for you to get an end of life plan because your partner may leave you. Like, Good advertising. We love it. It didn't work very well, I guess. <laughs> it, it didn't work. <laughs> no. Well, good. Um, great. <laughs> um, as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Instagram. That's our Twitter. That's our Gmail. Otherwise, bye. <laughs>